0: Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Our Weekends Booked. I'm Brielle. And I'm Kate. And this week we're going to discuss The Night Circus.
1: So like always, we'll just go ahead and jump into some author information. This book was written by Erin Morgenstern. I couldn't find too much about her because this was only one of two books that she's written. The second book she wrote was called The Starless Sea. Um, But I did find out that she is a multimedia artist and that the Night Circus, which I thought was kind of cool, has been published in over a dozen different languages. And she actually won some annual prize that they do called the Locust Award for Best First Novel. And can we just talk about
0: how, why, Miss Morgan Stern, are you only
1: writing two books? Yeah, I mean, this book was incredible. I mean, I gave it five stars.
0: Yeah, me too, five stars. Hands down, super easy, five stars.
1: I mean, it had so many... So, this was, like, a pretty epic fantasy. But, like, I dare to say that it could also have been kind of, like, a psychological thriller at the same time because of how much mystery there was behind, like, the magic and the illusionist and how things actually worked.
0: Well, yeah, and then not to mention, like, it's a love story. All that... And it's still a love story.
1: It was a pretty epic love story. The ending of this book. I did not see coming.
0: No me neither. <laughs> okay. So there is a lot to unravel. In this book. We're going to try to cover as much as we can. Without you know boring you guys. With all the details. Um, this is going to be one of those books. Where you you do have to read it for yourself. Like if anything that we say. Interests You go get this book. I originally saw it on book talk and then as I was doing my Sunday grocery shopping at Walmart, I saw it and I was like, oh boy, that's like a sign. So bought it, told Kate to get it and we picked it out of the TBR right away. And um, what was it like our second book of, of 2023? Yeah, I think it was our second or third book. Okay. And it's, it's a big one. It's actually the paperback version is like 500 and some pages, but it's not like a difficult read. It's super easy. Keeps you entertained, you know, straight from beginning to end.
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel like it had much lag at all. I mean, there were certain parts that could have been portrayed as a little bit slower because there were so many characters in this book that had to be developed that, you know, I mean it, So those parts kind of made it seem like a little bit slower, but I mean, overall, like everything flowed so well together. And like I said, there's so many characters to talk about in this book that it would have been impossible otherwise.
0: So starting off, you have two protagonists. Um, The first one is Celia. And she... So Celia has like a kind of tragic story right away. She must have lived with her mother... Until she was, like, five. that her mother commits suicide. And she basically gets dumped on her father's doorstep. Doesn't seem like he ever really wanted anything to do with her. But, interesting fact, her dad is actually a magician.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this, this girl, like... Like you said, her father didn't really seem to want to have much to do with her. And then when she's dropped on his doorstep, she all he also discovers that she's like an incredible magician and illusionist. And even at the age of five, when she's first there, she can do things that he hasn't ever seen done before. So he, she automatically isn't even really like his daughter anymore. She's just a pawn to him because of the magic that she has. Yes.
0: So because of that we are introduced to our second protagonist and his name is marco and marco actually like has grown up in i guess you would call it like foster care or like an like an orphanage or um this is like victorian london so whatever you would call it at that time and he's actually handpicked by a character that we'll get to in one second um handpicked and raised because he also has some extraordinary like magical abilities.
1: Yeah. And so the character Brawl's talking about his name's Alexander in the book. They refer to him a lot as Mr. A H or the man in the gray suit and him and Celia's father, Hector have kind of been in this centuries long battle of wits of who can pick, The greater magician to win these games that they play. Yeah, I guess they're like arch nemesis for like all time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's weird though because you think that they're arch nemesis, but it's almost like they feed off of each other. Because we find out really quickly, and they be once Celia starts to get a little bit older. Well, let me back up for a second. So, like Brielle said, Alexander and Hector pick. Marco and Celia to be their players in this like big game that they have going on. You don't know what it is at first takes a quite a while in the book to kind of like everything kind of fall together and they bond them together through these golden rings that basically like they put them on and they like burn into their skin. So you can't even see them. You just see the scar of it. And they start them on this basically chess match, which neither one of them really knows the rules, how to play And so you have these two characters, Alexander and Hector, who have chosen these characters, and they seem like arch nemesis, but throughout the book, they're always together. Yeah, they are.
0: And I think it's because both of them are like magicians, and they probably have like traveled in like the same line for so long. So I think it's actually like While they're trying to find students to duel, we'll call it a duel, for them, they're actually like always in a duel against one another.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it too. I didn't even think of it like that. But it's so sad, like, especially for Celia. I mean, your mother kills herself, you get sent to live with your father, and he basically raises you to be his little soldier and not his daughter. Like, he doesn't care about her because... This game that they're playing has to end in one of them dying in order for somebody to win.
0: Which they do not know that
1: through the entire book.
0: They don't figure that out until the very end.
1: I couldn't even imagine that. Like, hey, dad, haven't seen you forever. Raise me my whole life after that just to be, you know, a little soldier for you. And then throw me into this game that you don't care whether I live or die. Well, I mean,
0: Hector's not, like, a stand-up guy. I mean, he... I think he kind of, like, has an obsession with, like, being the best magician that there is. Like, he's, like, obsessed with the reviews after his shows. And, I mean, he actually, like, starts to... I don't even know how you would put it. Like, he starts to practice a magic that, like, will make him disappear, to the point where he has to like fake his own death because like he's basically see-through and people like normal people can't like talk to him anymore because they can see like straight to the other side of the wall.
1: Yeah, I mean because they do say that he was trying to do a trick that went too far and he didn't know how to reverse it so he's stuck like that.
0: The impression of Alexander, Alexander or the man in the gray suit, there are several characters throughout the book that say that he doesn't have a shadow which is like creepy enough in itself like you know he's supposed to be a normal human but they say like every time that they can see him walk away like in the sunlight or whatever they that he doesn't have a shadow so you know that like something is just up with both of these guys
1: well i mean and they're like old as dirt right like you don't they never really say how old they are but the fact that like they've been doing these games for so many years and he doesn't have a shadow and this guy's making himself disappear. Like who knows how old they really are. Yeah. And I think that that has
0: um, something to do with the, like the magical aspect of it. I think like once you practice magic so much, like in this world that you actually like stop time or you like stop at least the aging process a little bit.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. That seems like the only logical reason. Okay, so we got our four, we got our four main characters right now.
0: There's gonna be like a couple more that we're gonna introduce, but you might be like listeners might be wondering, like, well, what do you mean they're dueling against each other? So this whole thing has a backdrop. Um, pulled from the title, the Night Circus. The backdrop is this circus, the circus of dreams. In French, I I don't know how to speak French, but I'm gonna give it a valiant effort here. Le Cirque des Revues, sound about right. <laughs>
1: Sounds about right. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: so translated to the Circus of Dreams is the actual like backdrop for the magical duel that Celia and Marco are having, but they're not the ones who created the circus. I think that, like, um, Alexander kind of like he infiltrated like the people that were developing a circus and kind of like took it over because he knew that it would be a great back, you know, backdrop for this duel,
1: yeah. and each each one of them, Marco and Celia, has their own parts to play in the circus for it in order for it to keep functioning. So there is Marco lights this I don't even know what you would call it. It's like like a a cauldron.
0: I mean, it's it's like a bonfire that's just eternally like burning but yes, inside like a cauldron.
1: Yeah, so he lights this fire that always has to stay lit in order for his magic to stay there while Celia basically has to use her magic to keep the rest of the circus running so that this game can keep going and you see throughout the book like neither one of them really knows that that's who they're competing against until pretty far into the book and i think that marco actually figures it out first
0: yes so let's go ahead and like tell them about how the circus came to play um so you have there there's what what is called what is the guy that actually did it the guy with all the money I can't pronounce his name. Chandras. Chandris, Chandris Lafure. Okay. So he has this idea that he's going to have a circus. And one of like the. One of like the most interesting things about this circus is that nobody ever knows where it's going to be. So they don't know, you know what country. They don't know what time. They don't know what day. It like basically just like pops up overnight. Okay, so he has, like, the basis of the idea. Now, he doesn't know that he needs, like, magic to do all this stuff. That, like, comes later. But, he wants to do that, so he needs an architect to help him build, like, the circus tents. And that's when we're introduced to Mr. Barris. Yeah, Ethan. He's an engineer. Okay. And then we also have um, Frederick Thiessen. He's
1: He's a, clock, He's a maker. clock
0: maker. The clock of the circus is actually really important. It's not just like a clock with, you know, your 12 numbers on it and hands. Like, it's like telling a story up there. Um, everything in here is like to the 10th degree. You know, it's like way above and beyond. It's not like you're going to like the red top circus with the two elephants and like a lion. This is like crazy. You have to get that in your mind.
1: Yeah I mean because we get introduced to some characters from the circus you have um, a set of twins named Poppet and Widget and their powers are a little cool but weird so Poppet I believe she's able to see your past and your future right? Yeah. And then Widget can create memories from smells
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think, and I think each one of them, so they're just little kids. And I think as they age, like their powers will develop more. And they actually run like a little um, skit with like their little kittens because their parents are actually like the, the lion tamers. Um, So that's like their cover, right? So they do their little kitten skit, but then they also have like these little side tents that, you know, Poppet can look into the stars and like tell the future and Widget can like see into the past. And he, he creates these like elaborate stories for people and like tells them to people, but actually it's like things that have happened in the past.
1: Which I think is really interesting. I think that I would probably prefer that over seeing in the stars.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think so too. I mean, that way, you know, it's not your story. Like, I, I think like Poppet gets scared at one point because, um, not to skip ahead, but like she sees that something bad is going to happen to the circus and she has to like figure out like who's going to do it, why is it going to happen, and how can I stop it?
1: Which is a lot of pressure for a kid, right?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then you also have a contortionist and I don't know how to say her name at all. So you can just go ahead with that one.
1: I'm going to say it's Sukiko.
0: Okay. And she's interesting in herself. So she actually shows up one night at um, the midnight dinner. And the midnight dinner is just like a meeting of like everyone who is integral to developing the circus. I, I think they think that she's the entertainment. But... I think that she was, like, placed there by Alexander because she has some connection to him and Hector from the past.
1: Yeah, so she actually was the winner of their last games. And I think that you're right. I think that they placed her there to keep an eye on Celia and Marco to make sure that things were still going according to plan and she could go back and snitch to the other two about how things were going
0: yes okay this is so much but it's so good
1: (laughs) yeah I mean the the book is really it it is a lot of information like I said at the beginning it's a lot of characters um so we're kind of like giving you guys characters and a little bit of plot points at the same time because there's really no other way to do it without this podcast being four hours long right (laughs) Um okay so the other person that we have that's in the circus her name's Isabel and she's actually one of Marco's lovers and she's a clairvoyant. And Mar- so Marco is not always with the circus. So once they leave London I believe he sends Isabel almost in his stead when he can't be there so she can kind of keep an eye on things while he's doing whatever else he needs to do outside of the circus.
0: Yeah, because I think at that point, he knows that Celia is his competition. So, obviously, like, while she's part of the circus, like, she auditions to be in the circus. Her dad makes her audition. You know, her dad, who is supposed to be dead, makes her audition. When she does her audition, it, like, blows everybody away. And Marco, he knows. He knows right away. And not only does he know, but because of that um i guess it's a a, like a bond that they have he's like super awestruck by her not like love at first sight but he's like oh man this is not gonna be good for me so i kind of think he like chooses to distance himself from it because you know he doesn't really know what this duel entails but he does know who she is now. And he knows that she's very powerful and he's a little bit scared of her.
1: Well, and I will say like Brielle's right. Like they, he's starting to develop feelings for her at this point. And there's several times throughout the book with within like a three year span where Celia and Marco are actually alone together, not in the circus in his like apartment or wherever in London. And like, she's fallen in love with him and he's fallen in love with her, despite the fact that they're, like, these supposed to be mortal enemies in this duel. But instead, I think that the gold rings and the bond that was seared between them is actually drawing their attraction to each other instead. Yeah, it's almost like a mating bond, right? I mean, yeah, they're, exactly. they're, like,
0: bonded. Like, they both have, like, scars from from this ring. This book... So we've read several books recently that are like dual perspectives, chapter to chapter. This book was actually written dual time. When, when is that a right way to phrase it? Like there was two different time frames happening and that's how the chapters alternated.
1: Yeah, and I had to pay really close attention to that because I was like, wait a second, how did that happen if it hadn't already happened? And I was like, oh wait, okay. It's because the times are all over the place.
0: Yeah, because in one perspective, you are in, like, present day, the circus is beginning. And then in another perspective, it's, like, years down the road. Now, all these characters are still in it, but just, you know, the way that they're portrayed is changing. Like, the little kids, like, they were, like, newborns at first and now you get to see them when they're they're like you know probably 13 14
1: something like that yeah and and throughout this time changing there's also a character named bailey who's introduced to the circus and he's just like a boy from his family has like a small farm and he meets poppet at the circus when they're younger and then There's a pretty good time lapse until he sees her again. And then it becomes his ritual every night to go to the circus to see her and Widget. Like, they become friends.
0: Yes, and he has, like, a super, like, little heart of gold. So he's, like, probably one of the younger ones in his family and gets picked on by his siblings. And he originally meets Poppet because his older sister dares him to sneak into the circus so the circus is in town but obviously the night circus it doesn't open till nightfall so his sister dares him to sneak in and she wants him to steal something from the circus to prove that he was in there and it says like right on like the um like no it's like a no trespassing sign right right on the tent like don't come in here they actually say like something it means, like, you know, you'll be, like, bled to death or something. But... <laughs>
1: be ex- exsanguinated.
0: Exsanguinated. There you go. <laughs> um, but he sneaks in there and Pop it because of her abilities, she probably can sense that he's going to get in trouble. So she helps him and she gives him a white glove. And he takes him back to his sister. And that's, like, proof that he got in there. But, like, over the years, he, like always goes back every time the circus comes to town he always goes back and tries to find her and then you know he finally does and that's like what kate said the the three of those um children they kind of like form a friendship
1: yeah and then there's kind of i i don't i don't remember the exact amount of years but when he get when he starts talking about her later at one point they're like he's like 17 18 and he's talking about college and all these things and he still has this ritual Then every time the circus is in town, he goes and sees Poppet. And he's, I thought he was, like, in love with her at first.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I got that feeling, too. And I think that she was, like, in love with him, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. And then, you know, like Brielle had mentioned a while back when we were talking that Poppet can see in the stars. And that she can see something bad is going to happen to the circus. And she comes to tell Celia that she needs... Bailey to come with them when they leave the circus because she sees this horrible thing happening and she doesn't know what his part is but she just knows that he was there so he has to be there
0: but but bailey is like kind of torn because like you said he's at that age where he's either choosing a path to college which his grandmother is very adamant that she wants him to go to college because i think his family is like farmers um And his parents are like, no, you're going to stay here and take over the farm. And he doesn't really want to do that because he doesn't want to just be stuck in his hometown all the time, like forever. So he has like this internal struggle about which path to choose. So when he hangs out with Poppet and Widget, that's kind of like a distraction for him because here he is. And, you know, he just thinks that this is just a normal old circus. He doesn't see the backdrop of all this magic that's actually like holding the circus together, right? Yeah. So. He has no idea.
1: Not at, at first. <laughs> no, I was gonna say not at first until you know he find he goes into widget's tent one night, which he doesn't know is widgets at first. And there's a whole table that's full of different bottles and different shapes. And when he opens some there's like a green smoke that comes out or there's sand in one and Each one, when he smells it, brings a different image to his mind. And then what happened with Poppet? They were all together. And I think Widget basically just said, like, what she could do, didn't he?
0: Yeah, he did. Because I think Bailey started to figure out, like, this isn't just a normal circus, like, something more is going on because I think when he opened one of the little bottles like it smelled like that it there's a scene in the book where when his sister dares him like him and his sister and like I think there's a couple other siblings they're in this like um oak tree and it smells you know like an oak tree and it's like very comforting and very like homey for him it's like a good memory for him and as soon as he opens that bottle he can smell it and he's like, whoa, this is just too weird. And like Widget is like, well, actually, you know, we're not normal kids. Kind of yes. spills, spills the beans. But instead of being like freaked out or like terrified, you know, he like embraces it. And he's like, okay, well, I, I want to know more.
1: Yeah. And then, I mean, I feel like the three of them were like best friends after that.
0: Yeah, and it's so sad because he is so excited because he's he decides that he's going to follow the circus around, right? Kid has no kind of magical ability, but he's not going to go to college. He's not going to live on the farm. He's going to follow the circus around. He waits for nightfall, and the circus is gone when he goes there. And the thing about the night circus is, remember I said before, you can't, you can't like find it okay we're, we're like in the early 1900s like late 1800s here so it's not like you can like google it or anything either it's word of mouth you know i mean it, it doesn't like come into one town and then you know 20 miles west it'll be in the next town no like it can be in london one night and then it could be like in saudi arabia the next night
1: yeah i mean and so the, the whole thing with that is that like poppet asks him to come with her And tells him, like, you know, be there by sundown. And and when he packs all of his stuff up and decides that he's going to go, like, his sister catches him. And he says goodbye to her and all this stuff. And that's, like, the moment, like, okay, I've made my decision. My bag is packed. And he's, like, running there and just goes. And there's, like, this empty field. Like, I couldn't imagine the feeling of disappointment to see that and be, like, what happened? I was here way before I needed to be. Yes. And And then he, he decides that he's still going to follow the circus and he, I think they know somehow Boston was an important place what were the name of the people that followed the circus around the reveres yeah the reveres with like the red scarves yes so he decides that he's going to go to the train station and sees some of them there makes friends and goes with them to Boston And he's going to follow these people around until they figure out where the circus is going to be next. Because he's determined at this point he's given up his life. Like he's going with the circus.
0: Yeah, it's, they're like a, the Revere's are like a secret society. You can distinguish them from others because they do wear this like red scarf. And that's basically all they do is like follow the circus from, you know, one place to another. And that, you know, he falls into their crowd. And if I remember correctly... I think the reason that the circus left early was because of what was happening between like Marco and Celia.
1: Yeah. Because at this point they're like full blown in love. Yes. (laughs) And they're trying to figure out whatever way they can to like, so they can't just stop playing the game. It's impossible. So they are trying to figure out a way to stop the game without wanting them having to die because they love each other at this point. Yeah. So the circus is like starting to fall down around them pretty much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not concentrating on keeping it up. So, like, one of the things that they have to do is they each create like different tents or different illusions to kind of keep the circus going. Celia is, she's kind of like the glue to everything. So Marco's the flame, he started it, she's the glue. But they have to keep, like, creating different tents, different illusions, and they, like, he does something, so she adds on to it. And then once she adds on to it, he adds on to it. It's just, it's kind of like this, like, Jenga effect almost, right? It's like a chessboard. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I think at this point, Hector... And um, Alexander are like, you guys need to quit it. Quit with the puppy dog eyes. You can't be together because one of you has to die.
1: Yeah, and they're not down with that.
0: No, they're like devastated. They're like, really? Like, you guys raised us just to be, like, like you said, chess pieces. That's all we've ever been. Like, yeah, Marco came from nothing, but does he have anything now? No, he's just been, like, upon his whole life and absolutely, like, dispendable. And, you know, Celia, her mom, like, offs herself. She gets dumped with her dad. She has no choice in the matter. She's been upon her whole life. She finally finds somebody that not only does she, like, share her magical magical abilities with, but she also, like... You know can kind of bond over like the the tragedy of having her like losing her mom and you know because marco didn't even have a family so they have like all these like connections and then hector and alexander are like uh oh, time out sorry this isn't gonna work for us one of you's got to die because one of us has to win
1: yeah and they basically say screw all that and figure out a way to save the circus and be together. And I don't know how much detail we want to get into that because that's like the end of the book and it's the best part.
0: It is. Yeah. So we won't, we won't say anything else, but we will tell you (laughs) that, um, if you like romance, if you like magic, if you like imagery, because I thought that like a lot of this book was very, it was obviously very descriptive And like you said before, like, it it never, like, like, caused me to, like, be lost or it never, like, was dragging at any points. It had a nice flow to it. But it was just, like, very, I I hate to just say beautiful, but, like, that's the word I want to use.
1: No, it was. It was was elegant. Elegant. Yeah, I like that one. I do like elegant. It was elegant and beautifully written. And I think that there should be a sequel. To this book, because I need to know after the ending, like there could be more that happens potentially. Like there was a lot of stuff you could have added left unsaid.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and not only like Celia and Marco, but also like Poppet and Bailey, because he ends up like, you know, taking over kind of. And you know, I kind of want to see like how how he how that goes because at the end of the book it's signed, like, Bailey, the proprietor of the circus. But the, if you look, there's an email address. Which makes you know that it's still going on, like, present day. Because one of the things that we, we kind of didn't mention was that all the characters in the circus, besides, like, aging a couple years to, like, like pop it and widget to come of age, they, like, stop aging.
1: Well, and I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning because of their magical abilities it kind of slows time for them
0: yeah it's like it like kind of freezes it like it's kind of like frozen like a snow globe right
1: like here's your little world here
0: and then you got to shake it up every now and then but for the most part just you know it just stays like just perfect like that
1: perfectly preserved yeah i mean i would definitely i hope that the stuff that we've told you guys has kind of like intrigued you to read this book because This is my first five-star read of the year, and I strongly stand by that. I mean, I think this book was 500-something pages, and I think I read it in three days. It was one of those those books that you just, you couldn't put down.
0: No, and I wasn't expecting it. I think we kind of just, like, we're like, yeah, let's get it, throw it in the TBR, you know. And then when we picked it. We were both, like, kind of, like, blown away by it because it was so good. And that's, like, what I said in the beginning. Like, I cannot believe that she's only written one other novel. Girl, you so much
1: talent. Well, and this book came out in 2013. So, like, you know, the, the dream of there being another book in this series is, you know, shot, dead, and killed. But, you know, <laughs> one can hope. But, I mean, it, it really intrigued me. To the point where I really kind of want to read her other book just to see if it's as well written and that the stories is good. Yeah, I would.
0: I would be down to get that book. We can lift the ban and buy it and put it in the TBR.
1: We can't lift the ban just yet because we have way too many physical books to read.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, but in the near future,
1: we'll put it on our near future, you know, unbanned books. <laughs> unbanned books, yeah. But yeah, I mean you know, if you guys want more information, you can check out Goodreads. There's a little synopsis on there. You can also see both of our reviews and you can see other people's reviews too. just kind of get an idea. You know, it's always good to have, I feel like a mix of reviews. So I feel like Goodreads is a great app for that because as much as somebody loved a book, there's someone that hates it just as much. So you can kind of decide for yourself. Um, So definitely check that out. I definitely, for myself, I definitely recommend this book five out of five. If you don't have it, go get it
0: same ditto five out of five I was like why did I give it five stars why would I not give it five stars like I didn't have anything bad to say about it so not something I do a lot but highly recommend it all
1: right guys that wraps up episode 12 if you enjoyed what you heard give us a rating on whatever podcast outlet you listen to and share with your friends also check us out on instagram at our underscore weekends underscore booked. again I'm Kate and I'm Brielle until next time Thank you.